It was a very cruel scene, executed in an unusual manner. Hey, Cruel Coven. Hello, precious babies. This is Cruel and Unusual, the podcast. I'm Sarah Palin. And I'm Bristol. (laughs) And we're fucking dumb. (laughs) I'm Tori. I'm Katie. And we're from the Midwest. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) It it comes so naturally. You know what I was just thinking? I am so goddamn sick of cooking. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm so, I've never liked it, but now I it's like, just a whole other it. level yeah and everything i make is a goddamn casserole <laughs> i'm like wow i really am from the midwest yeah. <laughs> this is my culture this is how i was raised i just do a lot of crock pot meals Jeez. because they're fast and they're quick and they're they're ready when i need them they are and they, they truly are um <laughs> by golly everything's got cheese everything's got potatoes everything's got <sighs> no wonder i've packed on like 25 pounds Same. it's not the fucking quarantine 15 anymore now it's the goddamn quarantine 20 teen okay <laughs> truly we are fat. i had the morning from goddamn hell too oh yeah not just because i woke up from an email from our editor wondering where our goddamn manuscript was Whoops. that was supposed to be there yesterday <laughs> we thought we had 20 more days Ooh, really fucked that how one the up. fuck do you do, do we we had two, people we had two appointments one mm-hmm. for the first one for the 20th and i forgot all the fucking about <laughs> the first i was just depending on katie as i usually do for this kind of shit <sighs> and i i knew a long time ago that we had may 20th i remembered mm-hmm. and when i got katie's text message this morning saying that we were supposed to have it there on the first i just blamed her yeah and that's just how well, it went so okay so before i even opened that email my heart sank out of my butt i looked at the informed delivery about what we're getting in the mail and we're getting something from the fucking irs oh no yeah why i don't know it's not it hasn't come yet it won't come till noon or Wait, after is it the stimulus check no we already had ours oh I don't know what it could be, but it's making me real nervous. And then I got that email from the editor, and that made me more nervous. And then I got out of the shower and flushed the toilet that I didn't flush before I got in because it makes the water too hot if I do that. So I get out, and I flush it. I'm standing there naked, dripping wet, and the fucking toilet overflows. Oh, no. Pee water all over the bathroom floor. So did you get pee feet? Yep. Oh, pee feet. Yeah, yeah, right after my shower. right after clean feet. Yep. And I'm I'm naked. I'm like running to the laundry room to get dirty towels, you know. To, so oh this is an entirely God. new meaning to naked and afraid. Yes. Very naked, very afraid. Naked, afraid, and pee I'm just thinking about it now and I'm getting worked up all over again. Okay, let's not think about and it. And then it's... How well, did you fix it? I soaked it all up. I plunged it. Oh, God. Soaked it all up. Put them all, you know, in the hot um, washer with hot water. And I had to like get to dis- disinfect the floor. With Sometimes the I hate being a woman usually tanner does that <laughs> when it overflows i don't I know never, what's wrong with I our don't toilet think i've ever something's wrong with our toilet we I don't, really need to get it fixed i honestly feel like i've never plunged a toilet in my life i feel like i do it daily that's why i just always keep a man around yeah they need to do the dirty work well yeah he usually does but he's it's, sleeping because he works nights 1802 okay yeah. They can do that shit, but then they can also cook and clean and do everything they with do the child. It, yeah. And I'll just sit around and record podcasts and write <laughs> books. Okay, okay. And not to mention, it's already like almost eighty degrees, and I was sweating during all of this after my shower oh, too. So see. yeah, just lovely morning, but it's gonna be okay. It'll be okay as soon as we find out that they're not trying to take you to prison or something. I we can't pod not. in prison. No. And if you go to prison, I have to go to prison. <laughs> So I'll have to commit some kind of felony. I just, I don't know what it could be about. I wonder if it's about the U.S. Census. Did you fill yours out? I did the census. That's not the IRS, though. Oh. What does the IRS stand for? That's tax. Internal Revenue Service. Oh, so money. It's money. And you did your taxes. Yeah. We had to prepare for them. Well, wait. And it's not even, they're not even actually due. Remember, they did an extension. Right. So So it can't even be that. I I just want to know what it is. It's just, it's so intimidating, you know, to see that. Who is it addressed to? does it say it's addressed to my husband and then me with my maiden name which is my legal name is my maiden name oh yeah you never did i never change changed it. it and that's what's on my taxes so hmm. <laughs> hmm. i guess so we'll find curious. when are they delivering it it usually comes noon Wait. between noon and one does there need to be a signature no it's just coming in the mailbox oh well then how do you even know 
I don't know what it is. I mean, but how do you know? Maybe it's one of those scam things. Maybe. Because where did you get it? Letters. It's coming in, in the mail. No, but I mean, like, where was this info, this intel oh, that you got? No, it's from UPS, like, informed, USPS oh. informed delivery. It sends you pictures of what you're getting that day in the oh. mail. Hmm. Yeah. Never saw that before. Because I'm a control be freak and like to know ahead of time. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, anyway, so we'll keep you guys updated. Maybe an Instagram story. Maybe when she goes to prison, we'll do a nice send off. I'm not really sure, but we'll let you know if it's not something too, um, intimate. Yeah. So I think Katie, one of us asked you on our, in our Facebook group, or maybe just on our regular Facebook page. Yeah, it was in the group. In the group. We asked you in the group. And if you're not part of the group and you're listening to this, I'm not really exactly sure why. But anyway, we asked you guys to give us questions because we're sick and fucking tired of trying to think of a question the morning of. And we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. So today we have a question from... From Jessica. And what is she And she wants to know, (laughs) which famous case, murder or otherwise, are you most looking forward to being solved? Okay, good. I already have my answer. Me too. Mine is the John Bonet Ramsey case. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably a lot of people's because it's it was like America's little sweetheart, mm-hmm. you know. And parading we herself around. The exact same age as yeah. her too. And I can remember watching all the stuff about it on TV. Yeah, I remember my parents like it obviously it just hit really close to home. Mm-hmm. Like because they had children that age. Right. Um I've always been very intrigued. I, I think it's probably safe to say that this was the the case that I first like, you know, researched and kind of pulled me into true crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was probably like maybe 10 or 11 yeah. at that point. Yeah. I read the Ed Gein book when I was like 10 or 11. Most my dad's and I just found it and fucking plowed right, right through it. Fucking went to town. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I remember just, I was, um, I don't remember if it was a book that I read about John Bonet or if I was just like, I don't know. I don't remember what it was, honestly. But yeah. I just remember learning about her and being very fascinated. And I've watched probably every single documentary or like, not retelling, but whatever. Everything about that case. And I still don't really know for sure. I feel like that one's a really hard one to read. Because yeah, I don't know about her dad really. Her mom was so fucking obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could see some sibling rivalry there. Yeah. And if he did kill her... I believe it was an accident. I believe he was not. I mean, he was a child. Right. He was a fucking child. Yeah. So if he did, and Patsy, um, <laughs> Patsy freaked the fuck out and had to cover it up because she needed one of her children. Yeah. I think that's a really hard position to be in. Yeah. You and know? then there's also a lot of evidence that points to an intruder. So right. It's so fucking hard to know. I just, I, I do. I would like to know that one too. Um, mine is the, the Delphi murders. Ooh, that's a good one. The two young girls that were killed. I think why I've latched onto it so much is because they remind me so much of me and you. Yeah. Yeah. And we would do stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. We'll go in the goddamn mm-hmm. woods and take stupid ass pictures yep. of ourselves. We that's still like, fucking yeah, would. We still do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They just seemed like they're so fucking innocent. Yeah. And there's video and mm-hmm. voice recording because Libby was a goddamn badass yep. and had and knew she yeah, just fucking knew her phone she knew and I feel like there's enough evidence I feel like he should be caught uh-huh and I'm just hoping that there's they do have I don't know if they have DNA yeah I don't but know. I hope that they do and they can they can use like the genealogical DNA and and get him because he deserves to rot yeah part of me just wonders if there was something more to that something with the investigation or yeah. someone who was on the inside who fucked up uh, you know what yeah. i mean either that or there's some reason why they're not i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know i should not speculate about no. this one we can cover that one at a later date though too. yeah that would be a good one i was actually thinking the other day that we should take like a couple of these like really big fucking cases and do them together i like, was have thinking one the exact episode. same thing yeah yeah see so katie yes do you want to tell the people what we're going to be talking about today okay people (laughs) (laughs) so today we're talking about unsolved disappearances and i think they're both groups right is yours a group yeah Mm -hmm. a group so is mine yeah which makes it even weirder that they all disappeared yep at the same time it's it's like i feel like it's hard enough for one fucking person to disappear let alone like five or three or six and never find any like clues reason. you know yeah, yeah. like or reason. How? yeah mm-hmm. okay so i believe i'm going first you're going first on february 24th 
1978, five men drove off onto a snowy, desolate road, never to be seen again. I'm going to be talking to you today about the Yuba County Five. So I googled this Mm -hmm. when you told me you might be doing them Mm -hmm. and I've never heard of it. So why were the men driving nearly 50 miles from home? Why would they go down a road meant primarily for logging vehicles, knowing the road was rugged terrain and not meant for small vehicles? What lured them to that spot? Hmm. All questions we have no answers to. Great. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. So let's talk about a guy named Joe. Okay. And I just... (sighs) Per usual, you guys, I can't fucking say names, so sorry. (laughs) Joe Shones was driving his Volkswagen car down that same rugged, snowy mountain road in Plumas National Forest in California. He was trying to find out if the area was safe enough to bring his family for an excursion the next day. His car was clearly not made to be driven on roads covered with a mass amount of snow, and he ended up getting his vehicle stuck. Mm. Yeah. He tried to free the vehicle, but ended up having a fucking heart attack in the process. Oh, no. Yeah. So he decided the best thing to do would be to get back inside of his vehicle and lean back and relax because he was, like, in the process of having a major health crisis and needed a fucking break, okay? <laughs> I wonder if he knew he was having a heart attack. I don't know. I'm, I feel like... um. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Okay, so he ended up cranking up the heat and falling asleep because he was like a little baby and just a nice warm vehicle muscled warm in. Warm and cozy. Yeah. Makes you tired. Yeah. He woke up to two sets of headlights and he was fairly certain that one of them was a pickup truck. He got out of his car and tried to flag them down. He said he thought it was a group of men and a woman with a baby. Unfortunately for Joe, the group kept right on walking and ignored him. Yeah. How shitty. Yeah. Damn. Although I would probably ignore a random man too. It's hard to say what you Especially if I had a baby with me. Yeah, exactly. So Joe got back into his car and he rested again. Hours later, he said he saw what he thought were flashlights. He exited the car again to yell and to get help and no one responded to him. Hours later again, his car finally runs out of gas. So he now has no choice but to start walking back to the lodge that he and his family were staying at which was fucking eight miles from his car. Like, fuck, you know? In the snow. After having a fucking heart attack. Yeah. (laughs) Forgot about that. Yeah. Two (laughs) Gs. He reported seeing a 1969 Mercury Montego on the side of the road with no one inside of it. More about Joe later. For now, I'm going to be telling you a little bit more about the Yuba County Five. Okay. So, the Yuba County Five is essentially the name that they gave to the case of the disappearance of five young men from Yuba City, California. Each of these five men were diagnosed with either, quote, mild mental or psychiatric issues, end quote, according to Wikipedia. So we have Bill Sterling, who was 29, Jack Hewitt, who was 24, Ted Weir, 32, and Jack Madruga, who was 30, and finally, Gary Mathias, who was 25. All of the men were part of the Yuba County Vocational Center program, and this program helped people with intellectual disabilities find work and learn the valuable skills that they needed to go out into the world and fucking flourish. Okay. Okay? So Jack number one was 5'11 and 190 pounds. I'm just telling you these stats because they're going to be useful for later. He was a high school graduate and an army vet. He was laid off from the job that he held. He also supposedly had a very, very low IQ, but he was not formally diagnosed with any type of disability, handicap, mental illness, as far as we know. His parents just thought that the program would help him with structure. So Jack is really good friends with Bill Sterling. Now Bill is 5'10", 170 pounds, and very, very, very religious. He loved to educate people about religion and Jesus. I was wondering what was going to come after yeah, all those I varies. was just <laughs> trying to be dramatic. Theodore <laughs> is 5'11 and 200 pounds. He worked for a bit as a janitor and a snack bar clerk. He quit after his family felt the job was overwhelming for him. People said that he was incredibly friendly and incredibly trusting. Now, okay, so I was watching this one podcast where I was listening to it, whatever, and they made a point of saying that people who are diagnosed with autism or mental disabilities or handicaps or whatever can be very trusting. And it really fucking rubbed me the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's because I have someone in my family who is diagnosed with autism um, and he's not fucking trusting. Okay, so I don't like when people lump. No, 
people who have anything, whether it be fucking red hair, mm. autism, like right. ADHD, doesn't matter. I don't like when people say that, so I'm not going to say that. No, it's just your personality. Yeah, it it's irritating depends. to me. Yeah. That, that fucking irritating. No, I mean, me. like, it depends on their personality. Right, right. If they're if trusting the, yeah. or not trusting. Right. There are plenty of people who are diagnosed with psychiatric issues, quote unquote, or mental handicaps, quote unquote, that are not trusting. Mm-hmm. But Theodore was trusting. Okay. okay, so now I just got that little rant out of the way. Um, now, Jack, who was also called Jackie, is 5'9 and 160 pounds. He didn't stand up straight. That was just <laughs> like a random fact about just a him. characteristic. Mm-hmm. His head drooped a little bit, and he was slower to respond during conversation. He was really, really good friends with Ted. Gary Mathias, 5'10, 170 pounds. He was the last friend into the friend group. He came into the friend group about a year prior to this incident that I'm about to talk to you about. Gary was also an army vet. However, he ended up being discharged from the army due to a quote-unquote psychiatric event. Oh, so something happened. Yeah, something something big happened. Mm. He had a police record for assaults and violence, and he was also on medication for diagnosed schizophrenia. Okay. Now, his medications were needed to keep his mood regulated. Sometimes, though, he wouldn't take the meds, and his family would describe him as going, quote-unquote, haywire, and his functioning deteriorates when placed under stress. Mm -hmm. These guys fucking love basketball. I fucking hate basketball. (laughs) I cannot stand basketball. (laughs) I hate all sport. Yeah, yeah, you do. (laughs) All of the guys are huge UC Davis fans, which is a college team. It took me 10 times to fucking say that, and you can leave that in there. UC Davis was set to play Chico State near their home. That's why I kept fucking saying Chicago, because I kept seeing Chico next. (laughs) Um, So the guys decided to drive to Chico to attend the game. They were super excited about it, their families would later report. Jack was driving the crew in his 69 Montego. Which, if that doesn't ring a bell, you weren't listening earlier because I'm Joe, listening. Joe fucking Schmo, he saw that Montego. Okay, it was a forty-six mile drive, which is about an hour, give or take. The families of the guys would later report that some of them said that they should dress warmer or bring coats, but the guys didn't want to because they'd be in the car and then the basketball game. Right. Like I completely fucking understand. Even though we live in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I never wear a fucking coat. No. Because I'm not ever fucking standing outside like that lady in Morris who's holding up the Trump sign. Do you, <laughs> do you see her? No. <laughs> she fucking stands on the corner with a dog and holds up a something like change is good, go Trump or something oh, sign. Oh, boy. They all, this is really cute, by the way. They all wore matching gator shirts. Aww. Yeah, isn't that? They were so fucking excited. Aww. That hurts. Yeah. So they all piled into the car and they headed for Chico. Here's the thing, though. No one saw them at the game, hmm. which is weird. And they didn't come home that night like their families expected. After the game, if they went, they went to a Bears convenience store. Now, I have no idea what the fuck. It's B-E-H-R. So that must be not a thing that's everywhere. A California <laughs> thing. Because I've never fucking heard of it in my life. The clerk was supposedly a bit annoyed. So, cherry pie, lemon pie, Snickers, Marathon, two Pepsis, and a milk. That's what they got. Hmm. Now, if I were to say that slower instead of so fucking fast, you would count four drinks, four snacks, five men. Oh, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. At 5 a.m. on Saturday morning, Ted's mom wakes up in her home, and she just basically says that she wakes up with a pit in her stomach. Mm-hmm. She's fucking terrified. She's afraid. She doesn't know why. And then she realizes that her son is at home. It's that intuition. Yeah. Mother's fucking intuition. Mother is always right. Listen to your mother. Listen to your motherfucking mother. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, so that's just how she described it. She just had a terrible feeling. She immediately called Bill's mom, who apparently had been up since 2 a.m. with that same feeling. Mm. The men had a basketball game of their own for the Special Olympics team that they were really excited about as well, which would be the next day after that. Mm -hmm. So the guys wouldn't just randomly not come home because they were super excited about everything for that weekend. And if they're all going to wear matching shirts and go and drive to this game, they're going to go to the game if they can. So yeah, so they wouldn't just randomly disappear, not come home, not show up for any of these, you know, things that they had planned. But that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. They just seemingly disappeared so weird yeah now all of these men were known for rigid routine and they were extremely it, it just helped each of them right. they really liked following a routine kept them in order kept them knowing what the fuck they were doing they didn't like to divert from the routine mm-hmm. just a little tidbit well everybody likes routine whether you yeah right so think by, you do or not right so 
I mean, you know. You yeah. get fucking thrown off of your routine. Mm-hmm. And so you don't even know that you fucking like a routine until you don't fucking have Even if anymore. your routine is chaos, that's right. your routine. Right. <laughs> Are you speaking to me? I am. By 8 o'clock the next evening, February 25th, the police were notified, and the sheriff's department started looking for them. On the 28th, the car was found. Jack's Mercury Montego. It was found by a forest ranger in an area called Rogers Cow Camp Area. This is the opposite direction from where they should have been going, though. Mm. Two and a half hours from Chico. That's where they ended really? up. Mm-hmm. So keep in mind, cell phones weren't a thing in the 70s. Like, I, all I can think about is dad's map in the back of the car yeah. <laughs> on the floorboard. Yeah. That's what, and my dad had this huge, gigantic fucking map, and he would pull it out when we went on our trips to Florida. My mom still doesn't understand, like, the, the Google Maps or whatever. Uh-huh. She's like, Bill, you got to print out a map. <laughs> From I've heard map this quest. times, yeah. <laughs> print out the map. <laughs> Yeah, I remember I used to do that before we had yeah, an we app had on to, the phone. And then we had to attach them to uh-huh. whatever was hanging from our rearview mirror uh-huh. so we could look at them. Yep. So police go to the vehicle after they're notified from the forest ranger that they have a car matching the same one that Jack drove. It's unlocked. The rear windows are down, which is weird mm. because it was, there was a fucking snowstorm. Yeah. And it was fucking cold, even for California. Right. You know what I mean? So why are the rear windows down? Yeah, that's weird. And there are no keys inside of the vehicle. They decided to hotwire it, and the car started with zero hesitations. Hmm. There is gas. There's no damage at all to the vehicle. It's like it was just abandoned after being driven extremely carefully. Even like I read to the um, no damage to the underside carriage, which is oh, super okay. fucking weird because the road was so rugged. Yeah. It's so fucking weird. Like the first thing that came to my mind was, did they put it up onto like a trailer and someone drop it off there? Yeah, or they just drove really, really yeah. slow. I just couldn't, which is, um, Jack was very meticulous about his car. Mm-hmm. So that would make sense too. That he was just being incredibly careful. But that road was so fucking rugged. Huh. Insane. So that just it, also... Yeah, it very well could have been taken there mm-hmm. by I, someone. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh, and the food that they bought was gone, aside from half of a marathon bar. And there were just wrappers, supposedly. Hmm. Um, I still think it's fucking weird. Four sets of snacks for five guys. That yeah. still just sticks out to me. Yeah. The police searched for five days. A very severe blizzard rolled in, and that definitely fucked with evidence, obviously, because it yeah. covered all of the tracks up. And then in June of 1978, motorcyclists noticed a broken window on a service trailer. So, like, out in, like, these wooded areas and national parks and stuff, there's service trailers mm-hmm. for, I guess, I don't really know. I, I don't know if it's for, like people to stay in when they need to or take shelter if they need to i'm not a forest park or like rangers or yeah something like that yeah um one thing that i read said it was like a group of motorcyclists another thing that i read said it was one motorcyclist it really doesn't matter but either Mm -hmm. way motorcyclist finds a broken window on the trailer and notifies police it's reported that the area of the trailer is 19 miles from where the car was found which is fucking weird yeah the car is 19 miles from where this is reported. Some people say nine miles, some people say eight, but the majority of people said 19. And for the car to have been found in the complete opposite direction. Of where they should have been going. Hours away. Right. All of it's just fucking weird. Mm -hmm. And so police get inside the trailer and they find the dead body of Ted Weir. Oh. Mm -hmm. Here's the fucking strange thing, Katie. Ted is laying in a bed with eight blankets on top of him. His facial hair has grown since he was last seen. He's lost between 80 and 100 pounds. And his pant legs are rolled up, revealing really, really severe frostbite. Wow. It was also reported that it looked like his body was tucked in, like the blankets were tucked into him, which he couldn't have done himself. And it's just something to think about. Yeah. Okay. He was out in the elements for some time. Right. And you cannot grow facial hair when you're dead. So he was alive for quite some time. Yeah. Now, later medical exams would show that he not only had frostbite, but he also had gangrene and blood poisoning as well. Wow. Mm -hmm. Some people say that he may have lived between three and six weeks. Some say between eight and 12 weeks. No matter. I mean, that's fucking torturous. No matter what. Yeah. Is he the one that didn't get a snack and a drink? No idea. No fucking clue. Did they um, kick him out of the car? I, well, and hold then on. go get snacks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry. And then go get snacks. I'm just. Oh, all so right. here's the real fucking kicker. Okay, there was a locker full of food, matches, a propane heater outside of the trailer. Everything was fucking untouched. Hmm. 
there were some cans that had been opened. I think they said maybe 31 or something. But inside of that locker and around in the property, there was enough food for people to survive for a year while living there. This makes me think that he was not there for very long. Right. Or maybe he just was so, if he had been out like in the elements, maybe he was just so like. Yeah. Or someone was holding him there and not allowing him to get that food. True. Basically taunting him with it. Right. But being strange enough to tuck him in you know what i mean yeah or like the the pant legs being rolled up to me kind of suggested someone was trying to treat the wounds right you know what i mean like they had rolled them up to try and maybe like wash them or yeah. you know pack them or, or something like he that did maybe to yeah let him get air or i don't know that's so weird um, the cans that were opened and emptied were opened by a military-grade can opener, a P-38, and only two of the men were in the military, Gary Mathias and Jack. Mm. And now, I mean, if I'm really, like, thinking hard about that, number one, where did that military-grade can opener come from? Was right. it, it, there's, why would it just random, why would that randomly be in the trailer? Why wouldn't it just be a regular fucking one? Unless it did come from one of the guys and it was like on a key ring or yeah, maybe. something like that. Yeah. And some people said, well, you wouldn't, if, unless you were in the military, you wouldn't know how to use that. I feel like if you were really fucking hungry, you could figure out how to use yeah. that can opener. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I've never seen one. But Neither I'm have sure I, but it, I would assume. Yeah. I would fucking figure it out. No matter what it fucking <laughs> took, I would open that can of some chicken. Some beans. All right. Investigators found a ring with Ted's name engraved on it, a necklace, a wallet with money inside of it, and a watch with its crystal missing. No relatives of the missing men could identify the watch as belonging to any of the five guys. So investigators continue searching, and the day after that, four and a half miles from the trailer, they believe they find Bill and Jack Madruga's bodies. This now is 11.4 miles from that car. Both of the remains were scattered by animals and had been reduced to very little by the time they were found, mainly Mm. just bones. Jack Hewitt was found two days later. Jack's dad was helping the search team, despite (sighs) efforts to keep him home. Mm -hmm, I know. Well, he ended up finding Jack's backbone while searching. His own dad. Yeah. Which, obviously, you can't identify a backbone. Right, but But still. his Levi's and his shoes were there. Oh. Yeah. That poor dad. Um, His skull ended up being found 100 yards away the next day. Mm. Hopefully not by the dad. Jack's family dentist actually identified the skull as his. Yeah. One more thing before we move on to like theories and things like that that I thought was kind of strange was investigators did not find shoes belonging to Ted. Okay. What they found in there was Gary's shoes. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it was speculated that Gary took Ted's larger boots and left his original shoes in the trailer. So it's thought that Gary at least made it to the trailer since his shoes were there. Mm-hmm. It seemed like someone was with Ted feeding him, tucking him in with those eight blankets, but we don't know for sure. A lot of things past the convenience store are pure speculation. Actually, just about everything is because we have no known survivors. Apparently, a snow cat had made a path from the road to the trailer. So people say maybe they thought that that was like a path to safety. But why? Why leave the car? It was in perfect condition. It was running. There was gas. Why even be in that spot? two uh, two odd you know hours away yeah on a mountain like what the fuck were they doing right and in case you can't add we still have one more guy (laughs) yeah and that's gary matthias okay gary is still missing never been found never been found june 19th 1978 the investigation was called off wow Mm -hmm. and that's that I want to talk to you about theories. Okay. Okay. So these theories are from like Wikipedia, random online sites, other podcasts. I found them kind of everywhere. So one person said that, okay, do you remember when Joe said that he saw like flashlights and Mm -hmm. and shit and and these people like ran off scared or never replied to him? Yeah. They thought maybe those were the guys and they had got out of the car and were looking around. They heard Joe call out and they got scared and they scattered. That was one. Hmm. Um, Driving up a mountain they see a woman and a baby which would kind of connect to joe's story right and they pull over to help her is she a decoy maybe she was supposed to reel them in and then whoever she was working with jumped them and the guys ran up the mountain to escape but that still doesn't answer the question of why they were going up that mountain in the complete opposite direction 
That yeah, mm-hmm. that makes no sense. Um, someone here's another one. Someone met up with the guys at the convenience store and either played a prank on them or tricked them to go up there, maybe to rob them, maybe for different ulterior motives. But somehow someone lured them to that spot for something. I could see someone being a dick yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, maybe they saw something at the game or while at the convenience store that they weren't supposed to see. Mm-hmm. And they were chased down. So they were trying to get these people like off their trail. Right. So they went in the opposite direction. My thing with that is if that was the case, the car probably wouldn't be in pristine condition. Right. He wouldn't have been driving carefully. No. You know. Not if he was trying to get away. Right. Maybe that woman with the baby that Joe thinks he saw was a hitchhiker trying to get home. So they picked her up and they went in that direction. Yeah. My other thought was how coherent was Joe? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if having a heart attack, like, alters right. that kind of shit, but maybe maybe pain does. Oh, yeah. So maybe he was, like, dreaming that people were coming to help him. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, we don't, don't know. know. So we, we're not or sure. Or if the flashlights were really headlights or right. the headlights were right. flashlights. Right. Or, yeah. Like I said in the beginning, these guys are all very big guys. They're tall. They're close to 200 pounds. It doesn't make sense to me that they would be a random target. They had to have been observed and watched and followed right because who would just decide to take right. on and just by looking at someone men. you can't tell their iq you no. can't tell yeah who would just decide to take on five grown five right five grown, grown men. men yeah many people say that gary had a hand in whatever the hell happened maybe he was off his meds that was a quote maybe he went on a bender maybe he was hallucinating or delusional he was reportedly on stelazine and cognitin to treat his diagnosed schizophrenia He was on them for around three years, and his remaining family said that he first exhibited signs of schizophrenia five years prior while in the army in Germany. Like I said earlier in regards to his run-in with the law, quote, police records show he had become violent on occasion. He was charged with assault twice, and there was a difficult period after his return from Germany when Gary would fail to take his drugs and lapse into a disoriented psychosis that usually landed him in a Veterans Administration hospital. He went haywire, is how Bob, his stepfather, puts it. That's from the Washington Post. Okay. Gary collected army psychiatric disability pay, was enormously attached to his family, loved the basketball games he shared with the other four men, and also loved to listen to the Rolling Stones and Olivia Newton-John and the record player in the living room. Um, His stepfather said that he took his medicine the week he disappeared. He knows that he did. Okay. But he and the doctor say that Matthias had also not gone haywire in two years, quote unquote haywire. Yeah. So that also would be very out of the ordinary to exhibit no signs leading up to it and then just boom. Right. It wasn't in, it wasn't how he would normally act Mm -hmm. when he went off of his medication. And if he was on his medication, you said he took Mm -hmm. it that week of. Right. He wouldn't withdraw that fast, I don't think. If he had been taking it regularly on time, like it sounds like he was for these three years. Right. He would have taken it with him if he knew that they were going to, you know. It's a very, it's such a like sad, disappointing Mm -hmm. case. Yeah. That, you know, and and where is Gary's body? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where is his body? Yep. Is there a body? Did he get taken? Yeah. Did he have something to do with it? Was there some kind of fight and just like poor judgment? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and so the two guys ran and got, you know, cold, frostbite, you know, hungry. Yeah. You know, somebody was clearly taking care of Ted in that cabin. Right. So who was that? The weirdest. And there was that army can opener. Gary's shoes were in there. I don't know. So it's sorry for the um, sadness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, mine's going to be the same thing. Oh, shit. Mine's a group of women. I just hate. I just don't like it. It sucks. I wish there's probably a lot of other things like conspiracy theories out there oh, i just yeah. didn't spend all day researching about it so if you guys know any other theories or if you guys have a theory yeah you should put that in the discussion post that will be up yep i think what time do we put that up i don't know it doesn't matter at it. some point today there will be a discussion post and you should probably just check it out and then let us know what your fucking theories are okay okay all right i'm gonna be telling you about the indiana dunes disappearances mm-hmm. have you ever been there Mm-mm. to the dunes no me either <laughs> i would never it's not that far Mm-mm. but no it's just not my cup of tea i thought you were gonna say it's not that fun <laughs> no i fucking but it's not, not. <laughs> on a hot summer day 53 years ago three young illinois women vanished from the indiana dunes national park 
never to be seen or heard from again. Early in the morning of Saturday, July 2nd, 1966, 21 year old Ann Miller gets in her Buick and leaves her house in Lombard, Illinois. Oh, wow. She drives to her friend Patricia. <laughs> I said it okay that time. Mm-hmm. Patricia, she's going to be Patty for uh-huh. the rest of oh, the thing. Oh, for sure. She drives to her friend Patricia Blau's house in Westchester, Illinois. Oh, okay. Patty's 19 and she still lives with her parents, so she tells her mom they're going to be home early. Their third friend, Renee, has to be home to make dinner for her husband. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, it husband. was 1966. You know, what are you, mm-hmm. you going to do? She's the only married one of the bunch. So from Westchester, the two drive to the west side of Chicago, where 19-year-old Renee Rule is waiting for them. It's still early, around 8 a.m., God, that sounds awful. (laughs) It's already getting hot out, and the girls are excited to spend the day together at what we call the Dunes. The Indiana Dunes National Park. At this point, it was a state park, I think, in the 60s. Now, it just recently became a national park, which probably no one gives a fuck about, but (laughs) it's true. You can't fucking go there right now anyway. No. (laughs) The National Park sits along the southern tip of Lake Michigan. It's got a 15-mile coastline with sandy beaches, hiking trails, and, of course, the impressive sand dunes and blowouts. It's around 15,000 acres, so it's small for a national park, Yeah, but it's a large area of land. It's the perfect place to spend a summer Saturday with your friends if you're normal and like being outside and like the sun and sand. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Patty and Renee had been classmates, and Patty and Anne met at Tricolor Stables in Palatine, Illinois, where they boarded their horses. Okay. That's important later on. With the three women being so close in age and their love for horses, a friendship between them just kind of happened naturally. So they picked Renee up. They get on their way, just stopping once at a store to pick up some suntan lotion. By 10 a.m., they've reached their destination. You have arrived at your destination. (laughs) And on this particular day, there are about... 8,600 people at the dunes. Oh my god. And 2, that 000, sounds terrible. Yeah. And 2,178 cars. So they must clock them when they go in. Mm-hmm. It's crowded. Everyone's flocked there. It's 4th of July weekend. So Anne finally finds a parking spot and the three girls hike about three quarters of a mile from the pavilion to the beach. My god. <laughs> it's not fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> girls. That does not sound like the perfect fucking Saturday. <laughs> no. Summer Saturday to me. Once they reach the beach, they manage to find a nice spot roughly 100 yards from the water under some poplar trees. They lay their blankets out on the side of a dune and strip down to their swimsuits. So I'm going to describe what they looked like and what they were wearing just because it's still an unsolved missing persons case. So Anne is 5'2", brown hair, blue eyes, and when she was last seen, she was wearing a blue bathing suit with a red belt. Patty is 5'4", brown hair and eyes, wearing a bright yellow ruffled bikini. And Renee is 5'9", brown hair and hazel eyes, wearing a brown bathing suit with green and gold flowers. Now, the spot where the girls set up on the beach that day was next to a couple who were also just there enjoying the day. This couple, Frank Yankalasa. Ooh. I don't know. I'm not going to say that again. So, <laughs> Yankalasa. And, <laughs> and Francis Cicero took notice of them. Not weird, not like in a weird way, but they were right next to him. Sure. So they remember what the girls are wearing and how they leave their belongings in this spot when they take off down to the water. So the girls left all their stuff there on their blanket. This couple thinks it's a little strange that the girls just leave their purses out in plain sight, but they just don't really think much else of it, you know? They just figure they're just going to go down there and swim and they'll be back. They're probably just like, oh, well, I wouldn't do that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Silly young girls. Mm -hmm. Around noon, this couple sees the girls wander down to the water, and not long after, the girls are approached by a young, tan, dark-haired, fine-as-wine man in his early 20s. Trouble. (laughs) This guy's in a boat in the water. It's a smaller boat, around 14 to 16 feet long, white with a blue interior. This guy approaches the girls, he's driving his little his little putt-putt, and the girls get on board the boat. No, mm-hmm. girls, you don't do that. Yep. And then the boat heads west. Now, boats with young tan men aren't really that uncommon there. It's, you know, there was probably a lot of them that day in the crowded beach. And it didn't seem too weird that one of them wanted, you know, these, like, cute girls to come on board and hang out and yeah. party. Yeah. That's what people assumed. And they were, you know, they were going for a ride. So Frank and Francis, the couple that was next to them on the beach, uh-huh. they don't think too much of it at the time. Not until, like, evening rolls around and it starts getting dark and they realize the girls never came back for their stuff. Did they ever, did they leave their purses there mm-hmm. then? Oh, no, girls. Yeah. 
Frank and Francis flagged down a park ranger to let them know these girls were here earlier. They took off in a boat with this guy around noon and they never came back. Patty left behind her wallet with $5 inside, a yellow swimsuit cover-up, her sunglasses, a transistor radio, which was probably expensive then. Yeah, right. And a white towel. Anne's abandoned belongings included a comb, a blanket, a white swim cap, jean shorts, and a polo shirt, her shoes, and a thermos. Renee left a big towel, cigarettes, suntan lotion, the one that they bought on the way there, her shorts and shirt, her wallet, which had $55 in checks inside. Now, this park ranger just kind of thinks, okay, so they met this guy in a boat and went for a ride. Maybe it just turned into a like a moonlight cruise yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) so he collects the stuff and he takes everything to the park superintendent william svetik's office svetik 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 william svetik sorry god (laughs) i'm so obnoxious he takes them to his office to keep them safe figuring the girls will come looking for their stuff and be happy that no one stole it they would still have it all 18 hours after their belongings are taken to the office Bill gets the first phone call about the missing women. This is from Patty's dad. And he's worried because she hasn't come home yet. Remember, she told her mom that she would be back early because Renee had to cook dinner. Right. But because of the girls' ages, Bill kind of just writes it all off. He thinks they're out partying. They'll be back. Like, Bill. Bill. I'm mad at you. Jesus (laughs) Christ, Bill. (laughs) Bill. You can't just assume. Do you know what they say about people who assume? You're making an ass out of you and me. <laughs> you and me, Bill. <laughs> damn it, you and Bill. Me, Bill. Outside. God okay. Damn it. At three o'clock. Yeah. Bill does examine the belongings that were brought to his office, and he confirms that they do indeed belong to the three missing girls. He still doesn't think that this means they need to do a full-on investigation, though. Yeah. Why? Yeah, Bill. He's just, you know. <laughs> yeah. Why would it? Yeah, he's busy. It's a holiday weekend. The park is crowded, and the whole ordeal just kind of gets put on the back burner. Yeah. So okay. that's annoying. Yeah. Now, it's unclear what exactly made them start searching. Mm -hmm. Maybe someone had gotten the media involved because a reporter does show up there. Um, Or maybe their families were just being really persistent because there were missing persons reports filed in Illinois. And I could see maybe, like, it's two different states. Yeah, there being a little bit of, like, crossover. And they don't communicate, especially at that time, they don't communicate with each other. Right. Um, But on July 4th, 1966, an investigation finally begins. Scuba divers look for any sign of the girls in the water. People searched and combed the beach on foot and horseback. They searched the woods and trails, which, by the way, the woods stretch for 45 miles here. It's not like a simple thing. The Coast Guard is called in on the 5th, and other witnesses who were at the beach the day the girls went missing are called in you know, to get more information. They've got some conflicting stories. And I mean, if you think about it, how much are you going to remember from three random girls on like a super crowded beach, unless you're right next to them? Um, so that's why police take Frank and Francis's story as the most reliable. Mm-hmm. They they did get on that boat. A few other people do claim to have seen this too. They saw the girls get on the boat too. One beachgoer was actually taking home movie videos that day. He offers his footage to the police and they do see two boats of interest. One is a 16-foot runabout operated by a man who matches the description of the man seen with the girls. Ooh. And three women who match their descriptions are seen in the boat, too. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty positive they got on this boat. They're pretty positive. Pretty positive. (laughs) The other boat is a 26-foot cabin cruiser with three men and three women on it. Ooh. The second boat was last seen around 3 p.m. the day in question, which is three hours after the girls got onto the first boat. So they can't prove that the people in the video are them. Right. It's probably from far away. The guy's videoing on the beach and boats are obviously in the water. think about, like, what year was this? 66. Okay, 1966. Like, the fucking... It's not HD Ultra 2K, Y2K. It is certainly not Y2K. Not at all. A few decades uh, before. A couple reports start trickling in saying that the girls were seen on the beach after this time. So it's assumed that Anne, Patty, and Renee were dropped back off on the beach by the man operating the small boat while he went back to get his two guy friends from the cabin cruiser. But ultimately, that last part is an assumption and can't be proven, obviously. It's word of mouth, and after all of these searches, they turn up nothing. Nothing at all, and now, 53 years later, Anne, Renee, and Patty have never been found. Something I forgot to put in that I read about that I'm going to say right now. Mm -hmm. In the 80s, the police consulted a psychic. Oh, and she really? said, that, "Yeah, yeah, they they did that in some 
some of the like big cases sure and um sure she told them that they had to go find this cabin somewhere and dig and that's where they were going to find the bodies of the women so they did it oh yeah used all these resources and time and money and of course they found nothing so i'm just going to throw that in there so some theories that people have come up with over the years one of the most one of the first things that comes to mind is that they drowned you know like that's all three of them that's the thing huh but like usually that's the first thing people say is all they drowned yeah um lake michigan does have the highest rate of drownings out of the five great lakes it's got some strong currents that can be deceiving but what yeah what are the odds of all three girls (sighs) the only way that i same time (laughs) yeah the only way that i could see that happening is if that guy truly had malicious intent and he just fucking flopped them all over overboard which we'll get to that too oh but yeah Okay. Yeah, all three drowning at the same time. Yeah. Like, if we're talking accidental. Right. At a crowded beach right. with no one noticing. And it's pretty rare for the bodies of drowning victims to not be found. And they've never found never. any bodies. Yeah. And the girls were swimmers. One was apparently a really good swimmer. And the other two could could swim fairly well. And I don't know. Um, there's also a theory that the boat crashed and capsized, killing everyone on board. But no wreckage was ever found. And no boats were reported missing that day. Some people also think the girls could have been basically <laughs> swallowed alive by one of the sand dunes, which it happens, I guess. Yeah, that does happen. I didn't know that happened. Um, but again, all three at the same time with no one seeing it. Yeah. I don't know. The What I have to say about that other one is whoever that guy was, you know, who picked them up mm-hmm. supposedly or whatever, he had to have had family too, right? Or you would think that he would. Yeah. So... They probably would have reported him or the boat missing. Right. You know? Yeah. Yep. Another theory that's a pretty popular one that you'll see a lot if you look into this is abortion. Abortion was illegal in Illinois and Indiana at the time. And a lot of people seem to think that Anne and Patty could have been pregnant Hmm. out of wedlock. Renee was the only one married. Not that it matters, but back then it it mattered. It mattered. Like it was like an appearances thing. Oh, yeah. And like a parent thing. Yes. And you know. Yep. There was a rumor going around that they were both dating married men. Ooh. And which would have made it so much worse for them. And they they couldn't carry these babies and be supported by anyone. They wouldn't be supported. Yeah. The running idea is that they were going to get back alley abortions from these doctors, Frank and Helen Largo. And these were real people that were doing abortions out of like a home in Indiana at the time. They lived in Gary, Indiana. This is where their house was, where they would do it at. And a lot of Chicago women, I guess, would go there to get abortions that they needed. A reporter at the time, Dick Wiley. Doesn't that just sound like a 1960s Uh reporter? This is Dick Wiley reporting. (laughs) He theorized that maybe the girls got onto this boat. The man seen driving it could have been the Largo's nephew. Mm -hmm. And he took them to a houseboat somewhere on the lake to get the procedures. He goes on to say that somehow something went wrong. One of the girls died from complications. And the other two girls were murdered because they were witnesses and this was all illegal. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't know what the proof is, but there is proof that Ralph Largo Jr., the nephew, was at the beach the day the girls went missing. Fuck. Yeah. But there were also thousands upon thousands of other people there. I don't know. He matches the description of the boat driver, but it just kind of seems unlikely. Like, a lot of people probably match that description. Right. And it was 4th of July weekend. Yes. If and they're, Gary, yeah. Indiana isn't yeah. that far from the dunes. Yeah. If they had an actual house they were doing abortions in, okay, why go through the trouble of doing them on a houseboat off the coast of a crowded beach right. if why they wanted to stay under the radar? Why wouldn't the girls just go to the house? Yeah. Plus, they left all their stuff on the beach, including suntan lotion that right. they bought on the way there. Why would you buy suntan right. lotion if you're going to get an abortion? Right. If you didn't actually plan to lay out yeah. in the sun. And right. you're not going to lay out in the sun after a fucking abortion. Yeah. And so, it's going to be like a, like a solemn day, right. you know. Another thing that's linked to this particular theory is supposedly several of Anne's friends said that she'd been talking about moving to a home for unwed mothers just before she disappeared. Which brings me to the next theory that maybe they disappeared on purpose to start a new life. Anne's talk of the unwed mother's home and a letter written by Renee that was found in the car could point to something like this. In the letter, I guess Renee had written about how she wanted wanted a divorce from her husband. But she was going to cook him dinner? Yeah. And this theory is kind of crazy. Anne had apparently been having problems with quote-unquote horse syndicate people. 
You're going to hate this. Yeah. Remember how I said that she first met Patty at Tricolor Stables? Yeah. Well, I guess this place had problems. And by problems, I mean like a car bomb that went off and killed a woman. Fights all the time between the owner, George, and his brother, Silas. Bodies buried on the property. Oh, fucking awesome. And right before the sheriff went to search the property for these, like, for these bodies, he was killed in a farm equipment accident. Killed. George <laughs> or the sheriff? The sheriff. What? So he couldn't go investigate. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if he was really murdered, if it was an accident, but like, come on. The next person in line to investigate these bodies dropped the lead for some reason. Mm-hmm. Mm, so <laughs> this horse syndicate business was basically like a mafia. Wow. They ran a scam of killing horses to, oh. yeah, to collect insurance money. Oh. oh. Yep. And this involved lots of people. And the main man behind all of this was Silas Jane, the brother of the stable owner. Him. Yeah. Silas was fucking evil. He was said to be a sociopath and quote unquote a born murderer. One of his associates murdered three young boys from Chicago, like boys, and Silas helped cover it up. He was just a bad bad man, okay? Okay. <laughs> he was he was one hundred percent capable of having the girls murdered if they just so happened to stumble upon information about this the horse syndicate they weren't supposed to know about. Or did the girls know he was after them and escape their fate by intentionally disappearing from the beach? Mm. A lot of people say that they never returned from the boat with the boy. B-O-I. Boy. <laughs> the boat with the boy. <laughs> and that boy could have been in on the plan. Right. But why would they choose to disappear in such a weird way? Once again, Why would she buy sunscreen? Yeah. yeah lots Lotion. of people. Crowded beach. It, it just doesn't. No. It doesn't work. But then again, maybe they were lured onto the boat by an associate of Silas Jane, mm-hmm. taken and murdered somewhere far away. Mm-hmm. It could be possible that they were subdued once on the boat and then someone just blew the whole thing to bits with dynamite because the horse syndicate was known right. for using dynamite right. to murder. And that could explain why nothing was ever recovered. Right. You know, no body bodies body parts yeah anything like that Too little yep lake michigan is huge and it's possible they found a secluded spot to do this because sometimes you know you think like wouldn't someone have known or seen that but the lake is huge but once again why take them from a crowded beach with literally thousands of witnesses right you know it just doesn't seem right no one ever did come forward and say hey the man boy piece of pie on the boat that day was me (laughs) piece of (laughs) yeah but okay but but seriously, though, no one ever came forward yeah. and said, I was the guy in the boat, and it was big time news. If he really didn't have anything to do with the disappearance, wouldn't you think he'd come out and say, that's me, you know? But what if his but, parents were, like, skeptical, and they were yeah. like, well, you're a guy. Exactly. Three girls. Yeah. Yep. Even if he was innocent, maybe he thought no one would believe him. Right. Um, I don't know. It's just mind boggling. So the last and final theory is kind of crazy. It's the theory that the girls were taken and murdered by none other than Richard Speck. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. For those of you who don't know, he's the fucking porta potty who raped and murdered eight nursing students from South Chicago Community Hospital in 1966. The same year Anne, Patty, and Renee went missing. In fact, 11 days after Anne, Patty, and Renee went missing. Ooh. It's awful to think about, but it's possible. He was able to murder eight women in the same house, so I'm mm-hmm. sure he'd have no problem with three. Yeah. Um, if he taken them far out enough into the water and he had a weapon, like, mm-hmm. what, what would they have done? Nothing. Right. right. The beach was crowded, but if you think about it, so were the beaches Ted Bundy lured women from. Right sociopaths think they can do anything and get away with anything and sometimes they do a lot of times they do i don't think they ever did but it is known that the indiana state police did want to question richard speck of shit about the three girls (laughs) yeah Uh, they didn't but it must have been on paperwork or something somewhere that they that he was a person of interest at one point or he they at least wanted to question him yeah there's a lot of evidence that says that the, that the nursing students were not his first victims and he was never convicted of other murders but that wasn't the first time he killed or he would have been in the area or close mm-hmm. enough the dunes are only about an hour from chicago so i think that might actually be the theory that makes the most sense to me but i'm still not 100 percent sold yeah there's also a part of me that thinks they could have just had like a freak accident or mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It could have even been a combination of parts of like some of these theories. But that's all I got. I don't know. I really don't know. Same. It kind of fucks me up. The horse syndicate <laughs> thing also kind that of fucks me, me off. Too. 
So this is another one that you guys should, if you have any theories or if you've heard any theories, yeah. you should talk about it in the discussion thread in Cruel and Unusual, the group. Yep. Yep. But if anyone out there has any information on the girl's disappearance, you should contact the Indiana State Police. And we'll put the phone number in the show notes and our website. Those are two really fucked up disappearances. Mine, I mean, at le- at the in the very least, at least their bodies were found. Right. You know, which I know... It doesn't matter. It's still really hard on the families, I would assume. Thank God I've never had to deal with that. But at least they had the closure of being able to do a funeral. And knowing that they're dead. Not that it's a good thing. Right. But, but just knowing. Not wondering yeah, if they're the alive rest of your dead. life. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. They just disappeared. The girls without a trace. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Except for their, all their belongings they left right. behind. Right. I want to mull this over in my tiny pea brain and then talk about it on Thursday when this episode comes out yeah in the group yeah let's chat in the group guys Katie reading watching listening okay (laughs) I watched a movie on Netflix a new one it's an original called dangerous lies (laughs) was it good no It was so bad. But you wasted two hours of your life anyway. I knew it was going to be bad. Do you remember um, Secret Obsession on Netflix? The Mm. one with the guy that I like, Mike Vogel. Oh. And and, um, uh, Brenda Song. Yeah. That was kind of like that. Basically the fucking plot for Deceitful. But the movie was kind of like, okay, here's a generic title. Yeah. It's like a lifetime. Because Secret Obsession was so popular just because it was so like Mm -hmm. mindless and... Right. (laughs) Cheesy, kind of. But um, Dangerous Lies has the girl from Riverdale, uh, Veronica. Oh, yeah. And then I don't remember who else, but it's just (laughs) so predictable. I'll watch it just to watch it. I watched it. it. I watched the whole thing and I couldn't look away. I'm going to watch it But it's so predictable. You'll figure it out. It was shot really pretty, though. Kind of like a Hitchcock movie, it looked like. Very Mm -hmm. cinematic. But it was just underwhelming. But it was just one of those things. You just relax and you just watch it. And don't think about it. Right. I haven't read anything this week, so don't even ask. And I listened to um, the True Crime Chronicles podcast episode about the yogurt shop murders. That one just gets me. Yeah. So fucking gruesome. And I want to cover that one one time. Mm -hmm. Sometime, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? Um, Anything new? I did finish a book a couple of days ago and it was okay it was underwhelming not even going to talk about it i've been working on the first draft of a book yeah i've been working on raven's grove part two Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we fucked up we really we really fucked it's gonna be okay our editor sylvia curry is um a beautiful slice of heaven and we don't deserve we don't deserve her we don't deserve anything no um and i'm listening to nothing also so my week has just been literally writing washing bottles and feeding a newborn yeah who's not really a newborn anymore but yeah. whatever that's and all homeschooling the only reason i listened to that podcast episode is because i was in the shower i'm i'm truly not doing great <laughs> i'm not yeah. nope you know what's funny i was listening to that in the shower like 2 a.m <laughs> oh and i've been thinking a lot about lately how i will send you text messages i know you're not going to respond text messages like tiktok snapchats all like after eight o'clock uh-huh. i know i'm not going to get a reply <laughs> to like four in the morning because i like fling myself into bed at 2 30 a.m and uh-huh. you're gonna get up like two hours after uh-huh. that like we're totally yeah. backwards here it's just so funny oh, wait, wait, because truly. i'm like oh she'll think this is funny gonna uh-huh. send it gonna send it gonna send it i don't even know if you look at them but like, i do well I'm lonely. I'm up all night. My husband's on night shift. I don't see him ever. My thing is, I'll look at them like right when I wake up and I'll fucking totally forget yeah. about them until I think about you again and then I rewatch them I and I laugh too. again. <laughs> so after this, you guys, we are going to be filming our first ever shit talking after show for our Patreon members. We also got a new Patreon member just this morning. You were still asleep and I was awake. (laughs) And her name is fucking Chloe Rose, who we love, who we actually featured her on our Storytime Mini. Yes, she was. She was had the ghost that followed her. Yeah, so she's fucking awesome. We love her. She is a $5 a month Patreon. (laughs) And we really just enjoy her. So thank you, Chloe. We appreciate you. We love the shit right out of your butt. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Should we cut that out? (laughs) 
No. Okay. <laughs> no, but we, we honestly, though, just to be serious for a minute, we really appreciate you. So thank you. Um, if you are interested in being a Patreon, we have a $3 tier, a $5 tier, a $7 tier, a $10 tier, a $15 tier, and a $20 tier if you really want to get fucking crazy stupid. It'll be linked down below. It's also in our link trees and our Instagram profiles. Thank you and goodbye. Yep. You can see everything that you get on those tiers too. It's all listed. Yep. Um, if you want to email us, send us some stories to talk about, please. <laughs> <laughs> please. Please, I beg of you. Um, you can do that at cruelandunusualthepod at gmail.com. Our Insta is at cruelandunusualthepod. Cruelinkmedia.com will give you, you know, like our sources in case you ever want to like prove us wrong. And you can see stuff about our books on there too. Um, what else? What's Twitter? Our Twitter is, I don't really fucking know. I think it might be Cruel Unusual Pod. Yeah, at Cruel, at Unusual, Cruel Pod. Unusual Pod. That's it. And just go try and find us and if you can yeah. i haven't tweeted for a and while join our facebook group to talk about these cases yes so that's something new that yes. we implemented last week we're going to have a discussion thread for every single week uh for our main episodes yep. on so every Thursdays. thursday they'll be up there that's cruel and unusual colon the group not the word colon an actual colon don't be silly not an actual colon like the body part but like two dots on top of each other <laughs> um they're humping I'm, they're humping humping <laughs> I'm really excited about the discussion thread for this Thursday. So please come and talk to us on there so we're not fucking lonely little bastards. Yeah. We're All done. right. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye.